Hello and welcome to The Successionistas. The Successionistas! <laughs> a weekly podcast recapping and discussing the award-winning HBO TV show Succession. I'm Anna Bogutskaya, a writer, podcaster and Succession superfan. And I'm Mike Munzer, a producer, podcaster and Succession obsessive. And in this podcast, we'll be taking you through the highs and lows of the Roy family saga every single week, recapping every episode of Succession's fourth and final season, which is airing right now on HBO in the US and Sky and Now TV in the UK. And this week, we're diving into Season 4, Episode 5, Kill List. We are going to grind you down, man. We are sanding the gears. Every email is going to take like six months. We're all going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars. And in the end, you're going to get fucking bored and move on. It's not happening, okay? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I fucking hate you. And if you tell the board it's in any of this, I'm just going to say it was a negotiating tactic. And you know what? Maybe it is, but it's not. So fuck you. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. You just fucked yourself. Did I? Good. Really? Yeah. First Good. topic, I think, should be what does Waystar under the leadership of the CE bros look like? <laughs> well, Kind of similar to what we thought it might look like at the beginning of season one, right? Because uh, there seems to be a very, very deliberate kind of mirroring of uh, season one, episode one, right? At the opening of this, right? It is literally the same shot of Kendall being driven to the offices, all dressed in black, black sunglasses, listening to hip hop, really psyching, psyching himself up to go and be the best girl boss he can be. Oh my god. And Kendall is this is a real throwback to season one, Kendall, right? We see him here at his most douchey douchebag self. So uh it's been, I'm guessing, about twenty-four hours since uh Roman and Kendall were named CEOs of their late father's company. And both of them, I feel like, are feeling the pressure in different ways. Kendall is kind of getting off on it, on being the big guy, on being the boss. Roman seems a little bit more stressed. He's dealing with number crunching and uh, budget for one of the movies that their studio is making (laughs) called Calispatron, (laughs) which is requiring multiple reshoots. A sleepy robot in a cave. Exactly, yeah, this kind of stupid robot movie. So that's all going on and of course this impending deal with Gojo, Matson wanting to buy them out. It's finally getting to that point because they receive a message. Matson is summoning them all and he's actually sent a list of names, not just the Roy siblings but all of the senior staff. He summoned them to their retreat in Norway. Uh, so the crux of this episode is all of our main characters fly to Norway and what follows is one of the most kind of intense awkward painful hours of television in a brilliant way because you've got Kendall and Roman kind of squaring up against Matson and it's like a it's like a sort of toxic male dick swinging competition that happens you've also got all of the senior staff who are meeting their kind of uh, rival selves on the opposite side right the kind of Norwegian team senior staff who may or may not be replacing them there is going to be a kill list being drawn up as the title suggests and a bunch of Waystar uh, staff are going to get culled when this acquisition happens. So they're very stressed about it. Meanwhile, Shiv, who is kind of left a little bit separate, sort of starts going out and making things happen for herself in a really interesting way. And she has an amazing scene with Matson, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But um, but yeah, the crux of it is Matson decides that he no longer wants to just buy part of Waystar and leave them ATN. He wants the whole thing and he wants to buy ATN. This, of course pisses off Roman and Kendall. Roman doesn't want to give up his dad's baby ATN. Kendall also wants to use this as an excuse to as we predicted Anna crush the deal to sabotage the whole thing because Kendall is enjoying being the CEO so he convinces Roman this is the best way to go. They decide they want to keep ATN and keep the whole company and sabotage the deal. However after a huge showdown with Matson at the end, they actually kind of inadvertently or possibly deliberately end up landing a really good deal. And 
the episode kind of ends with them having successfully made a good deal with Matson for the whole thing, including ATN, a bunch of staff being culled. But maybe this is a win for the Roys? We don't quite know. Like, And I think there's an interesting line, right, that kind of sums it up. Roman says about halfway through the episode where he says, yeah, we're selling. Have we won or have we lost? It's kind of hard to tell. Well, it's all about power plays, isn't it? Yeah. Everything we're watching since the events of episode three, we're seeing through the prism of a post-Logan Roy trying to grasp power because the the vacuum that he left was so vast that no one character can, can really take all of it. Yeah. So they're all doing shady deals behind each other's backs. Mostly Ken, oh. you know, from the get-go. Ken, Ken has never hidden the fact that he's a stone-cold asshole, but he is doing shady deals very, very plainly. And this entire episode, which takes the structure that I very much like, and I know you love, Mike, of this sort of... uh, An an outside meeting. So one location everybody's there and some sort of arrangement agreement needs to happen in order for the business to survive. We had this in the episode at the stakeholders meeting, the retired janitors of Idaho one. Mm -hmm. We've had this, you know, at the, uh, the board retreat, kind of the, there's so many kind of examples throughout the season where we've had these sort of contained nerve wracking episodes and Mm -hmm. something actually happens here and there's a lot of negotiating and yep. a lot of a lot of insults mm-hmm. and a lot of daggers that are thrown in all directions but primarily we're focused on Matson, Ken and Roman. Everyone else throughout this episode is sort of out there doing their own thing. What we do get a lot is kind of the the old guard and the support system, the senior management of Waste Roco kind of really worrying that they might lose their jobs and really seeing their counterparts at Gojo. This kind Which of, you know, hilarious. these, uh, you know, European, very serious, very young, very athletic um, <laughs> sort of, you know, tech people <sighs> who absolutely are just the polar opposite of each one of them. Mm-hmm. And, and all these... All these sinister-esque conversations in private rooms in Norway, in the forest, in the wilderness. I I genuinely loved it because of the pressure point. And especially because we're seeing essentially for the first time Roman and Ken and Shiv in a different way, separately from them. But mostly Roman and Ken be thrown into the deep end with a very serious dude. Mm. Like he is a bit of a trickster, but Matson is he's not all bark and no bite. He is full bite. So seeing them go up against him, not once but twice. Actually, probably three times, if you count the encounter at the table, um, amongst other people is so unbelievably intense because there's no there's no daddy to come save them it's so intense you're right like i think there's a you're right it's it's a lot like some of the episodes that we got in seasons one and two particularly two it reminded me a lot of turnhaven the episode when they have to go to the pierce the pierce household right and in that same way in turnhaven where it's like each one of them kind of meets their match they meet their equivalent on the pgn Mm -hmm. side right and this is the same right like you said they all meet their kind of the the kind of younger norwegian or swedish version of themselves and yeah you're right there are no the, the old guard are kind of absent, right? Like you said, daddy's gone. There are no grown-ups. And it feels like a bunch of kids in the playground who have been left without a grown-up, mm. right? And these men with this, this ridiculous amount of power who are all just... It feels a bit... Matson feels a bit like a playground bully with Roman and Kendall throughout this whole episode, right? He is just pushing them and pushing them. Oh, he's so cutting. Yeah. But, but this is the thing. We're essentially seeing play out the thing that Logan always accused them of, right? He's always said to them as his ultimate insult, I love you kids, but you're not serious people. And in the same way, Matson throws in Roman and Ken's face with Shiv kind of in the background. You're, I don't care what you think. You're just a tribute band. And he's like, I mean, your dad was a prick, but I respected him. He very clearly resents having to 
deal with these two because they, even though they're the co-CEOs, they they don't really know how to respond. And also, and this is what it was so interesting, especially as viewers, is because we're now operating with a bit more information than some of the characters, right? So mm-hmm. Roman, we know the shady dealings that... Um, Kendall has Hugo do. Yeah. And they keep popping up throughout the episode, right? The stories that he's planted when he gets Greg to speak to this journalist and plant a story about that there's bad vibes going on at the at the mm-hmm. meeting where they're deciding the deal. So that's all happening. We see this. We know this. We see Shiv pick up on these things and try to raise them, constantly being like, this is dangerous. What is going on here? Why are these stories keep popping up? And being brushed off. Mm. And we also see that Ken does want to tank this deal like we and i just want to pat both of us on the back here we predicted this last episode we, did, we saw this coming didn't we yeah could- i went fully Leo dicaprio when he says i think i want to tank the deal i'm like he said the things we said yeah but yeah yeah like this is the thing that really worked for me is that we're seeing roman shiv and kind of the elders of the company try to move forward with this deal but we also know all the shady stuff that ken is doing in the background and that for me just made it such an exciting watch because you're like you know that they're at odds with each other and even though Mm -hmm. he doesn't know exactly what's happening manson can sense this like because he even confronts him about it's like what are you trying to scooby-doo me about this because what's happening like he is being straight up with them in as much as possible it's like i want this I don't respect you, but I'm going to give you a shit ton of money. This is what I think of your, of ATN. This is what I think of your brand. Here's the deal. What, what's your counter? What's like, give me something. Let's negotiate. There's no negotiation. I need to go run back down the mountain and speak to the old people in order to like have something to come back with. Roman is extremely emotional about letting go of ATN because he sees it as Logan's legacy. And in a way as Logan himself. Yeah. And Ken has ulterior motives so it's like everybody's working at odds yeah this is what is brilliant and you're right you know this is what makes this this is kind of an all-timer succession Mm -hmm. episode in that regard because the writing is so rich like i you know it really is like you have to listen to every sentence that's being said in this episode and you're right like everything has a double meaning everyone is double crossing each other everyone is lying everyone has their own uh kind of personal kind of vendetta or their own angle and uh it's it was fascinating to see the way it in which it all played out and ultimately you are left at the end in that really classic succession way of going was that a win was that not a win like who exactly has got what they want out of this and who hasn't you know and it's it's fascinating and uh, mm. even having watched it three times like i said i'm kind of i'm slightly unclear about some of it but who do you think won well I wonder, and we'll, we should go through it character by character, but I wonder whether mm-hmm. Shiv had a real win this episode, right? Even though we're not really privy to everything that potentially went on with Shiv, I mm. feel like we are left, the the last shot is of Shiv smiling on, yes. an, on the phone secretly to Matson, and we're, I'm like, oh, finally, finally, like a bit of a win for Shiv in this episode, right? Who definitely comes out... My girl is getting something. She's awesome, right, in this episode, and she really comes out as the smartest and most capable capable Roy sibling in this episode, that's for sure, right? Well, I mean, I no longer, after three and a half three and a half Mm. seasons of this show i'm no longer going to be using the words capable or smart to refer to any of the roys (laughs) it's a good point it's a good point yeah yeah but i will i will say i was extremely thrilled for this you know i've been unhappy with the way that i've been writing shiv Mm. like it's just it's messy it's unhinged and it just i I hope and I trust that they know where they're going with this. And this is possibly the first time in at least two seasons mm-hmm. when I've seen Shiv actually, well, second time after she double-crossed Rhea, that she's actually taken a breath, taken a beat and done something without reacting in in anger or without reacting in a hasty way yeah. to it. And seeing the um, and seeing the trees she's the wood uh, seeing the wood instead of the trees i said that the to- other no around. totally i agree and she's she's very cool and calm and collected she's not in her 
you know, emotional, angry, stamping her feet mode that she has been a lot over the last few episodes. Even even when she sort of suspects that the uh, the two brothers are doing stuff behind her back, they're probably leaking stories to the news. She's sort of like, whatever, you know, if you want to bury yeah. dad, go for it. You know, like... Because yeah. another, uh, only a few episodes ago, Shiv would have stamped her feet to try to get into that negotiating yes. pod where they're having the conversation with Matson, But instead, she literally be like, fuck this shit and goes back down she's like i'm gone and i wonder whether it's really interesting because like you said we're so much aligned with roman and kendall in this episode and not anyone else and i wonder whether shiv has got other shit going on that she's doing behind their backs in this episode that we haven't even seen right because i don't know where did she suddenly disappear off to when they come out of that meeting and they're like where's shiv and the senior staff are like oh she she left and it's like Mm -hmm. what's she doing and and that kind of like I said that phone call and that smile at the end I mean I know that obviously her and Matson had this really interesting in positive interaction in a way so shall we do our usual thing and go through each yeah. character arc shall Let's. we start with Ken since we started the episode with him now the fuck is wrong with this man <laughs> the fuck is wrong with Kendall seriously I don't know you I don't know about you Mike I'm like fully done with this dude I'm like you know what don't deserve my sympathy. Fuck I know. you, Ken. I, know. I just, I'm done. You're, he is, he is, <laughs> he's not a killer. He's just like some weird baby shark that wants to continuously bite people, but doesn't really have any teeth to bite with. He's, he's, he's gone full circle so deliberately and overtly right like mm-hmm. we talked about that opening and the way it mirrors episode one of season one he you know the, the again it's the tragedy of Kendall that he is just this ne- in this never-ending circle of going back to square one when as we pointed out and as characters pointed out last week he was doing good he was getting better he was he had exciting new things going on and he's right back to literally to square one in this episode of being a complete twat and mm-hmm. uh, trying to sabotage everything and every one because he had a whiff of power basically well, and that is it yeah and it took so literally what a day a day 24 because, hours yeah you know when he I, I found kind of the the most interesting thing about this is the conversation he has with roman in the woods mm-hmm. right when the this is after the first negotiation with matson this is after this sort of confrontational thing they have uh, kind of in public in front of everyone when they're having lunch or, d- or drinks or whatnot and Roman and Kendall are just talking in the woods and there's you know saying what do we do do we sell it do we sell it for my money and that's when Ken says I want to tank the deal I think I want to tank the deal I like being in charge I like being the boss I think this works you know pointing at himself and Roman mm-hmm. and he's smiling like I don't there's a there's a part of me that's like, was this always sort of um this has fallen in a, into place in a way that benefits him? Yeah. But he's also doing a, a lot of thing behind a lot of things behind Roman's back in order to tank it as well. And Roman again, and he's been doing this consistently in this episode, shall we call Shiv? Yes. And Ken has this thing where he says, Can Pinky dance? Oh. Uh, uh. And it literally took him what, 48 hours? To turn against Shiv, the deal that he promised her. And there's this thing, you know, when he's smiling, when he's talking about tanking the deal, what about the fact that it's going to be particularly difficult for them to go in ostensibly to get the deal over the the finishing line, Mm -hmm. but really with the intention of tanking it. And he says that it's like walking a tightrope on a straight razor. Mm -hmm. And Roman picks up the fact that he's enjoying this. So I love the seeding of this idea that I hope they develop more of Roman seeing Kendall beyond kind of this brotherly affection and, and this newfound still quite uh, infant trust that the sibs have between themselves. If Roman sees Kendall and what he's doing and how he's essentially getting off on chaos, at this point, I'm like, I don't think you actually want to do anything. Mm -hmm. You just get off on the chaos and the drama 
and the idea of power, but not power itself. Totally. That that is exactly it. He he he's. We've always seen it over and over again. He is a self-destructive man in a way, right? And he is weirdly getting off on this idea of sinking the ship while he's on it or something. You know, it's very strange. Mm-hmm. And he's back to his bullshit phrases and lines, like you say, the tightrope walk on the straight razor. He says to Roman, it's "Feel the force, time. Choose our adventure, full bore and stuff." And it's like, what are you even talking? about like he's back to like full douchebag doesn't know a thing but just kind of swags about and talks the talk kind of mode yeah right? he's got a master's degree in douchebaggery that one <laughs> it's just unbelievable isn't it yeah um and and he has an interesting you know him and roman have different dynamics in the way they square up to matson as well right yes. like i don't know who's quote-unquote better at this than the other roman is a lot more emotional and maybe a bit more volatile whereas kendall Mm. is a little bit more like you know we've seen kendall do this time and time again with people like stewie or you know people from volta or whatever like you know do he he becomes that kind of macho bro type person doesn't he and with his little smile and his little insults and whatever and Um, even the way that they are getting ready to meet matson before actually arriving in norway you know Roman is stressing, he's sweating, he's anxious, like nothing feels right. They're cramming all these documents and this information. And Ken is just cool as a cucumber. And I think I genuinely read this as him already knowing in his mind that he wants to tank the deal. Yes. I I think that's the most, uh, the clearest explanation for that approach. I don't think it's because he's some sort of, you know, savvy negotiator. Mm -hmm. It's because he knows it does not matter fundamentally. And I found that approach to be quite fascinating, as well as the the fact that, you know, when Matson throws some some sharp punches his way, Ken kind of takes it on the chin. Yeah. And he doesn't crumble. He's like, well, you know what, Volter, I took a swing. The thing about Kendall is that he doesn't sort of blow up in the way that his brother does or even the way that Shiv mm-hmm. does, right? He knows how to talk to everyone like he doesn't give a shit about greg but he kind of is nice to greg in this episode when he needs something he's nice to he's manipulating roman from beginning to end in this episode right he's he's lying to shiv he's calling her pinky he's belittling her and infantilizing her behind her back but he knows how to behave with all of these people up front right even though he is categorically screwing everyone else over yeah. in this episode right isn't yeah, he yeah absolutely and he is manipulating roman's emotions around the funeral oh you know he's also because... mean about poor connor behind his back too oh god yeah he writes moron <laughs> yeah. on the the paper where they're you know they're not saying the numbers uh, yeah. out loud in case they're being recorded or you know filmed by the swedes but you know he is just dismissive Mm -hmm. of everyone who is not him and he is manipulating roman the entire time manipulating him emotionally yeah and i want to talk about the the way that roman's outburst well let's talk about roman shall we because you know like you said this is really kendall and roman's episode kendall is is pretty basic in the way he's behaving like he he, his only aim as far as i can see is that he wants to destroy the deal so he can remain ceo right it's like fairly simple whereas roman it's a little bit more complicated i think isn't it roman is very Mm -hmm. torn he is he's he's you know in his own words he's kind of not in a good place right he says i'm dead it's over for me um but also he doesn't quite know what is the best thing to do in terms of should he take the deal should he not should he keep atn for his dad should he get rid of it um and all of that conflict and stress is just pouring out of him in this episode isn't it well roman so far after the death of his dad hasn't really been dealing with it you know he's been Mm. remarkably chill but that's just extreme denial and i think all of that has bubbled up and there's there's throughout the episode there's like several he's very tense throughout the entire episode he's quite anxious Mm -hmm. about the deal And he does have a hard line. And it's not very clear whether... I mean, I think it's because of the memory of Logan. Like, he does not want to give up ATN. Not because he necessarily thinks it's the wisest thing to do in a business sense. It's because it's the last thing that Logan wanted to protect. He carved it out of the deal. He didn't want to sell it. He calls it Logan's life's work. Yes. Like, that's... It's essentially a stand-in for his father. Exactly that. So he doesn't want to sell effectively logan 
to Gojo for no amount of money. And he doesn't, and obviously, you know, this is, I am not an MBA, but from <laughs> what I understand from watching Succession is that you cannot, like if you get a deal that's essentially too good to pass over, you cannot not take that to the board. And the board, because they're looking after the interests of the stakeholders, if it means increased revenue for stakeholders, they will have to say yes and be like, fuck ATN, look at this amount of money we're going to get. Sell it. Yeah. What do you, you can. And they would have the power to essentially remove the CEOs if they're thinking the CEOs are acting against the interests of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they know that they need to like either get an offer that they can refuse because if they get a bigger one, they'll have to sell ATN. And it's an emotional reason. Shiv doesn't give a shit. She's like, it's a toxic acid. She mentions, which is really interesting, the fact that Jared Menken's team, the political candidate mm-hmm. that's played by Justin Kirk, who I'm sure we'll see more of in the season, uh, has a direct line to the newsroom. Terrifying. So there is... Like the division between political uh, and candidates and editorial has completely been eradicated. That is a big shitstorm waiting to happen if it ever gets released. Yeah. So it is a toxic asset. She is correct. But Roman needs to hold on to it. And when Matt said goes after ATN and says that he wants to IKEA to fuck and make it go, you know, more gray instead of just a lot of tiny men with big veins yelling, <laughs> uh, an audience says it strikes like that emotional chord and it breaks it. And the thing the other thing I think that sets off Roman is the fact that Connor apparently sends a picture of what I can only infer was Logan's body. Yes, yes. Because they were worried about what to dress him in for his his coffin, right? And there was this whole thing about Marsha wants him to wear a kilt. So then they were like, no, sort something else out. And Kendall says to Connor, send us a picture if you want, if you want kind of, you know, if you want us to sign off on it. And Roman's like, no, 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 don't send us a picture of our dead father. But he does. And that happens right before his outburst, of course. So you're right. I think Roman is being led by his emotions big time in this episode. And you're absolutely right. I think his priority is that he wants to keep ATN because he connects it with his dad. I think there's also a little bit of him too that still is trying to cling on to this plan that they keep ATN. He, Kendall and Shiv work together, fold in Pierce and run it together. I think think Roman, you know, we've seen this since the beginning of this season. Roman still wants that dream to happen right that the three of them are gonna take over together and do their own thing um so i think there's a little bit of that to him too right i think you're totally right totally right he's basically thinking of his family here he's thinking of honoring his dad but also working with his siblings you know like you said he's the one that keeps saying let's get shiv in on this let's fold shiv on this like he wants them to be a team i think and and Mm -hmm. and you know we can see that absolutely being eroded away in this episode and which i think is getting him even more worked up yeah and and you know when roman's explosive outburst at matson god what a performance by the way of kieran culkin in this episode oh my god he is just like i don't know if you've ever been this furious or upset where your entire body is just like trembling beyond your control and Honestly, if Kieran Culkin doesn't get every single Emmy for his performance this season, I am rioting. Yeah. Because he does that thing where he's so angry that he can't even cry. I don't know if Roman Roy can cry, but, you know, you know, if a human being gets that angry, like a natural reaction is that you you kind of well up and you cry. Even though you're just furious. And he's just spewing all this stuff which is very honest probably more honest than he's ever been with himself or anyone else Mm -hmm. where he's just like you could not have the human fucking decency to let us have a few days after our dads just died you just had you had to bring us out to the other side of the world to fuck us around to do a dick swinging competition to bring us up to a mountain to like talk shop you just could not wait two days Mm -hmm. when it's been going on for six months and there is this like you know outrage there where he's like i don't want to deal with you because yeah you've hurt me yeah yeah and that is that is a purely emotional response he's like i don't need or want your money i don't want to deal with you yeah 
absolutely. Matson has been pushing him and pushing him. Like you said, he called Roman and Kendall the kind of support act, the, the tribute, tribute band. band. Sorry, yeah, the tribute band. He said your dad was a prick. You know, he's saying all the things that are kind of absolutely pushing Roman's buttons. Roman remembers from the previous season that he says, you know, when is your dad going to die or whatever? You know, like all of this stuff built up in him and just exploded, didn't it? And it was, ama- you're right, like Kieran Culkin did this thing where, you know, Roman Roy is probably not the type of person to cry in front of anyone, but mm. you can, this was the closest it felt like he'd come to crying, right? You can hear almost the cracking in his voice at one moment when he is really losing it, but he holds it together in a very realistic mm. way as he is yelling at, at Matson and being yeah, like you said, probably the most honest he's ever been. He literally says, I fucking hate you, you know, and yeah. all this stuff. It's um it's a very it's a it's a it's a very tense but quite satisfying moment, actually, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a very do you know what I also felt watching it again? I feel like there's quite a lot of projection going on there mm, mm-hmm. where you know, Roman, I think Roman feels extremely guilty Yes. about Logan's death. And I think he's projecting his own sense of guilt onto basically anyone, anyone. And right now he's he's latching onto Matson, mm-hmm. and he will just say, he says to him, you killed him. You're the one who forced him to get on that plane to fly over. Like he, this is his way of processing the grief. Mm-hmm. It's like, trying to blame someone find someone to blame instead of accepting that his dad is gone that's what i think what makes him latch onto atn what makes him react in that way what makes him latch on and, and hate matson yeah because matson matson is a figurehead for his dad being gone yeah it's uh, an amazing Kieran Culkin performance. It's an amazing Roman episode again, isn't it? Because b- compared to, you know, we've said throughout this season, Roman's really had his shit together. <laughs> He's really mm-hmm. not got his shit together this episode, has he? Bless him. I felt no. for Roman. <laughs> and it was really worrying, you know, when he, he kind of says, you know, oh, my brother's really not dealing well. My sister's all fucked in the head. And I'm just, I'm gone. I'm dead. Yeah. yeah. And it's not the first time that kind of Roman talks about himself in that way but i got really i got really worried in this particular moment because i'm like there's something about the way that he delivers that where he's like he's he's not i'm a lost you know, cause I, kind of thing yeah 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 he's like he's not in therapy i don't think like we well i'm I, nothing that we don't see i don't think anything that we don't see on the screen like it just does not exist we need confirmation of it for it to be real and i don't think he's actually doing anything about no. how he's feeling. Well, it's almost um, it's almost like the therapy he was getting was you know having separation from his dad and working with his siblings right because we kept saying like he kind of looked and was acting healthier than he'd ever looked in mm-hmm. episodes one and two of this season and it's so funny the deliberate regression we see here when the two of them are back in their corporate fuckboy suits at Waystar in the beginning of this episode they both look stressed they both don't look well they're both acting like douchebags again and it's it's just such a regression for Roman isn't it I think in this episode but it's worrying this is what worries me you know the fact that mm. And, you know, I, I remember when in the third episode we spoke about kind of Shiv going to Tom, Kendall and Roman not really having anyone that they can be human mm-hmm. with, right? Mm-hmm. And just experience emotions, yeah. which is hard. <laughs> and, like, I worry that all this stuff that's boiling up in him that's now exploding in this way. We've seen Kendall uh, is an, is an, has an addictive personality, right? Yes. And as much as we joke about him being a, an, a dickhead, which he is, two things can be true at once. He, his way of coping with stuff has been through drugs and substance abuse. Yep. What is Roman's way? Like there's all this pent up anger and grief and like not dealing with anything in any way. Yep. Like, how is that, what is going to happen over the next few episodes? How is that going to explode and manifest with Roman? This is the thing that worries me. He needs somebody like Tabitha back in his life. She was quite good for him, you know. But, yeah, uh, she was a good pal. <laughs> she was a good pal. Um, poor Roman. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And maybe before we move on to Shiv, do you think we should talk about Matson, like the other member of this kind of dick-swinging triangle? Because, like, what an episode for Matson and Alexander Skarsgård, right? Oh, my God. I... <laughs> do you know what? I love him. I'm not, like... I just love it. He is. I mean, Alexander Skarsgård is brilliant. It's just such good casting, I think. Like, Alexander Skarsgård, just like, no offence to him. 
but he has this vibe where I just really believe that he could play this kind of utter monster really, really well. And uh, we find out so much more kind of intimate details about Matson as a man in this episode as well, right? And he is in- entirely unhinged. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in his brain, but he has too much money and too much power for somebody who is like clearly on like not all there. I think. You know, you know what? This is what happens when you have universal free health care when you're just drowning in paid holidays this is what <laughs> yeah. happens when you're a soft european built like a viking mm-hmm. with unlimited money and resource apparently yeah yep 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 i i i loved i've loved alexander skarsgård in fact i'm a fan of the whole skarsgård clan They're so good this is on the record just all of them but Alexander has been great ever since True Blood, right? Big True Blood fan over here and have been since it was originally airing. And there was a moment towards the later seasons of that show where he, I'm not going to go into the details of why this happens or how, but basically his personality gets changed radically and he plays sort of like a, Eric Northman plays like a little puppy dog. You know, he's very, not literally, because you could expect that from a show like True Blood, but he's sort of, you know, very demure, very sweet instead of kind of this cool, Mm -hmm. cutting, you know, centuries-old vampire. And Skarsgård is so good, and we've seen this in Infinity Pool this year, at playing kind of these weak men Mm -hmm. that are kind of weird so weak and weird (laughs) it just it because it is so interesting because it's incongruous with how he presents you know there's the northman scar skirt and he is you know i I don't think you can separate him from his physicality because it's just like the first thing you see he's a giant broad build man with like universal yes. good looks yeah totally right? we think of him as the northman right this this, exactly. this giant viking right yeah so when he you know when as matson he's like wearing these patagonia you know um shirts and and jackets and he's like doing this thing with his back as well like he's so tall he's constantly like lifting up his shoulders making himself a bit smaller even though he's the big bad boss in the room yep. he's laughing he's sw- switching between swedish and english kind of in a hum- as a humiliating tactic for the americans in the room mm-hmm. you know and he's like he's just we see so much of him here that is, I don't it's not vulnerable. I don't think it's a tactic either. It's just so alien almost. Yeah. You know, the conversation he has with Shiv, which we need to get into. Yes, we do. Um, and, but the way that he just wants to just make the deal. He's like, I like to fuck around, but not with money. With money, I'm just direct. I was like, here's the deal. Would you like the deal? Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Just let's get it done now, now, now. And then the conversation he has with Shiv where he's like, yeah, I don't know. It started as a joke and then it wasn't a joke and then it was a joke again and then it's not a joke anymore. But yeah, long story short, I've been sending my ex-girlfriend bricks of my own frozen blood. He, so yes, this is the thing. And is this going to be something that also causes an almighty fuck up for them? That, you know, he has been basically sexually harassing his head of comms, right? Who he had a relationship with ever and then has since been absolutely kind of harassing with sending, sending multiple bricks of his own blood absolutely mental like it's really funny the the writers chose sort of one of the most unhinged things he could probably do right um and even the way he acts around women i mean it's a really interesting thing as well i was thinking about this move this episode really does kind of seem to be focusing in on just the 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 grossness of all the men in this episode and it's funny that when we reveal the list of people that kind of don't get axed at the end you know basically carolina jerry and shiv ultimately come out on top in this episode right Uh, as opposed to all the men which is really interesting i'm so glad you point this out you're so right at the end of the episode when they read out the kill list it's the female senior management that are intact and it's basically everyone and tom tom is fine as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah it is it is a lot about you know the flashy broisms of it all and 
quiet efficiency. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because you've got, you know, Greg again being at his most kind of weird douchebag sicko. Done with Greg. Done with Greg, you know. And, and, and so, you know, they're really making, it feels like the episode's really making a point of that, of kind of showing all of these men at their worst in this episode. Um, and yeah, like, uh, Matson is just such a fascinating character. And there are moments when he's clearly on top and he's messing with them and he's getting off on it. But then there are other times when he looks genuinely annoyed, right? Because they mm-hmm. know exactly that dragging this out is the worst thing they can do for him. He's getting yeah. really worked up and frustrated, but he doesn't want to show it. You know, and there's just a lot of this kind of dick swinging, chest puffing behavior throughout, you know. There is. But what I found really um, an ama- amazingly watchable, right, is that when Matson gets angry and he does get angry, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, when yeah, yeah. Roman has his outburst, Ma- Matson doesn't respond. He just sort of laughs and he's like, you do. He leans and this is, again, Alexander Skarsgård doing his the most with his body. And he's right? so much bigger than Kieran Culkin, of course. Oh, but, OK, so Kieran Culkin is like five foot seven. Yeah. <laughs> And okay, wait, hold on. I'm going to I'm going to Google this just so I have all the height facts. Yes. You know, it's very important in our culture uh, how tall men are. 100%. So Kieran Culkin is five foot six. Mm. Alexander Skarsgård is six foot four. Oof. And yeah. in this scene, right, where uh, Roman is having his outburst, he plonked himself up on this sort of stone ledge. And Skarsgård is just swooping in like a tall hawk on top of him to tell him really up close to his face, you just fucked yourself. You really did. And honest to God, Mike, I did think for a moment, are they going to kiss? Because it had some weird erotic vibes that were picking up from the other scene they shared together in the toilet, right? Well, either kiss or punch. I thought maybe is there going to be a physical fight as well? Like, And, and you know, Alexander Skarsgård, and it's so funny, you know, he's literally pissing during this moment as well. I mean, like, again, it's, it's, almost, yeah, again. it's almost a literal pissing contest at this point as well. You know, it literally is, really is. It really yeah. is. And, you know, I do wonder, you know, is Roman in, into men? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's really like there's just so much anger and hate throughout that moment. But you're right. You know, Skarsgård is clearly angry, too. But he reacts with a smile, doesn't he? But then mm. we see his face once they leave and that smile disappears and he looks angry. Yes. Right. As well. But then what he does. Right. Is just go around them. He calls the old guard. He calls Frank, doesn't he? Is it Frank or Carl? Yes, Frank. Yeah. He calls Frank and he's like, here's my revised offer. I don't need to speak to the CE bros. And he knows that he he can still get what he wants without them. I mean, which is actually fundamentally his power. He's like, I'm just going to get shit done with or without you. What do you make of this? outcome at the end of the episode then Anna like the fact that he has bought them now for 192 billion I'm assuming by the way right it must be billion um these kind of three figure numbers they're throwing around I think it's a, I think it's 192 per share Oh is that what it is Okay Yeah cuz they were talking that they they would lowball they wanted a 144 four. Yeah. for per share uh, and he says when he gives them the offer, which is, I think, 187 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he says it's 50% stat, uh, 50% cash, 50% stock. And then they turned out, but that's with ATM. Right. And then when they discuss after the, the first negotiation, they were like, we will only include ATN if it's a really noticeable bump in price. Mm-hmm. And Kendall has this old spiel about how, well, if you, because you don't know how to manage ATN, since the buyout will be 50% in stock, that may damage the money that we get because you might you might fuck up ATN and that's a substantial part of the brand right. of Waystar, right? Got it. Look at me. Did someone just give me an MBA right here for this podcast? Anna, thank God you're anyway. here because I didn't understand any of that. I, I actually just thought they, they were floating a real total number there and I was like, is that... No, is that? because thought, there's a point... I thought million is too small so I was like, is that $192 billion he's paying them? Like, I didn't... No, but that. remember, they wanted... They, they offered to buy peers for $10 billion. Exactly, yeah, exactly. But but then I thought because this includes includes cruises and theme parks and everything else, I thought maybe that is a realistic number. I had no idea, though, to be honest. I think yeah. there's a throwaway line, which I think one of the uh, senior management team says it's like an extra four or five bill. So I think that increase is... Um, like an additional four or five billion on top of whatever else they're getting, which I think is going to be like a fucking huge number. Like this is just, it's silly money. It's silly money. What is this? So so exactly. So what do you think of the end? Like they 
clearly wanted to sabotage this deal, but they ended up getting a really good deal. And it's kind of hard to tell from... How did you read kind of Roman and Kendall's reactions at the end? They kind of, they toast and they drink champagne, but obviously they're not quite happy about it. But are they happy about it? Like, what do you think of that whole outcome? Yeah, so my thoughts are, they're both miserable for different reasons. So the elders, that sounds disrespectful. It's like the old guard Mm -hmm. are very happy because they're just going to cash the fuck out. Also... Carolina Jerry are in good spots. Yep. They're not going to be killed, probably. Um, Ken is furious mm-hmm. because the deal has not been tanked and because Matson has gone behind their backs and gone to the old guard, which will take it to the who will take it to the board. The deal will go through because it's just it would be financially irresponsible for them to turn it down, right? Uh, So he's livid because he'll probably get axed as well or he'll have to leave or he'll get ousted because Matson will come in as the CEO. Mm -hmm. Uh, Roman is devastated, I think, because he also knows that... I don't think he cares as much about the behind-his-back maneuver. I think he cares about the fact that now ATN will be sold and it's effectively like he's failed at the one thing his dad wanted to keep yes the one task that logan was adamant yes they needed to do he's failed at it and i think he's going to internalize that as massive amounts of guilt yeah and they are totally gonna i mean alexander skulls got all but says right i'm gonna strip this business for parts essentially like yeah. they are, yeah. he's gonna destroy this business once he's bought it kind of thing right exactly yeah. like he doesn't have any emotional allegiance to this no. like he doesn't care it's money it's business which is probably you know the better way it's what logan like, would have done right yeah yeah I mean, you know, a succession-style show about Madsen would probably be a short film because yeah. he'd just, like, get shit done really quickly. But yeah. the other really interesting reaction is Shiv, right? Mm. Because Shiv gets a text or a call from Madsen. And I want to get your reaction to this. Like, when he, he says, like, hey, your brother's there. Yeah. Can you send me a photo of their faces? Yeah. Now, Mike, given their previous conversation, is this a sex thing? I don't think so. Is there a vibe between Shiv and Matt's and Matson? I think what's really interesting is that I think Shiv maybe is playing him. I think maybe he feels that. And I think maybe she knows how to get, how to work him. You know, like, I think she's honest when mm. she said to Tom, he's conventionally good looking, but he's boring. And actually the episode ends with her kind of asking Tom out on a date, right? Like, I think Shiv is kind of feeling much more confident in herself by the end. She's kind of getting her life back on track, I think, really. And and Shiv gets her groove back in this episode. She gets her groove back, you know? She kind of, she throws Tom a bone. She saves his job. She fires Sid. And she asks him on a date. And she's in there with Matson, the new boss, essentially. Maybe she's thinking, Mm -hmm. this is my chance to step in as some kind of CEO-type figure in the new Matson era um, Waystar, I don't know, but um, but yeah, I think she's clearly now keeping stuff from her brothers as they are from her, and is kind of yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what is going to happen with her going forward because. I think also Shiv has got more of a, maybe, maybe I'm giving her too much credit here, but I think she's got (laughs) a bit more of a moral, political agenda to all of this too, in that she's genuinely worried about Mencken and the upcoming election and what ATN is doing. And I wonder if that, you know, we talked last week about we're not quite sure what is driving her actions. I wonder Mm -hmm. if there is a bit of it that is that too. Look, we're back to season one political Shiv, where she is like, she's, she's trying to work it so that she can destroy this kind of right-wing news network and try and do something good out of this kind of outcome. I don't know. I might be giving her too much credit for that, but I'm not oh, sure. I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I was just thinking as you were speaking, I'm, I wonder if mm. this might be a little bit of a conspiracy slash prediction. Mm. I wonder if... I don't think Shiv has a moral compass, no. really. I do no. think she cares about Menken, not... Yeah. I don't think she can prevent him from winning, but she definitely doesn't want to be too in bed with him in the way that ATN clearly is. Yes. I wonder if the play that's happening here from her end, or that will, is that she will quietly build a case or see evidence or find evidence of the shadow PR strategy that Hugo has been putting in place Mm. 
the fact that there's some insider training on Hugo Hugo's part. Mm-hmm. The stuff that Kendall has been seeding to the press and how he's tried to tank the deal. Now, again, a lot of these conversations that we've seen have been just happening in person, so there's no record of them. Yes. But she has been she has been noticing things. And I think because it's happened three or four times throughout the episode, it's too obvious to not be a plan. Yeah. Do you think well, I wonder if she will use that as uh as ammunition against her brothers yes for Matson's sake there's there's ammunition on both sides isn't there because you know the one kendall if kendall found out that Matson has been again kind of sexually harassing his head of comms he yes. would use that to destroy the deal right and and the board would lose faith in him uh Shiv is the only person currently that has that knowledge. So it's whether or not Shiv Mm -hmm. keeps that to herself or whether she would share it with her brother. So they both have these kind of things on each other, Mm -hmm. right, potentially. And it's whether or not they share it or find out, I guess. Um, Because, yeah. But no one has any dirt on Shiv yet, do they? No, no. Because they're just dismissing her. They're like, oh, she's playing with her, with her little investor presentations. Yeah, exactly. Pinkies, you know can pinky dance yeah and yeah. i think i hope i mean i think this would be an, a fun power play and maybe they'll all fail mm. like they always well, do again like i think it feels like quite a deliberate choice that in this episode it, it does feel like we're back to kind of season one siblings here right mm-hmm. like shiv as the kind of pr strategist and giving yes. matson this kind of quite good advice you know and she's kind of really yes. back at the top of her game in that regard, well you know? i mean okay let's not you know a three point pr plan <laughs> Number step number one is don't send anyone else your own blood. It's so good. I, I don't think I don't think you could like charge a very big consulting fee for that. <laughs> because love- if you can, I've got into the wrong side of the business. It's so good. I love that. I love that. And what's the other thing? She says something like you know deniability, and she's like, I'm not sure you have deniability in that she has so There's much so of much your blood. <laughs> It's so good. I love it. And this is my question to you, Mike. Do you think Matson is faking? I think that moment with Shiv was a genuine moment. Okay. I think that everything he says in front of the brothers is bravado and you don't quite know what to take seriously and what's a joke. But I think he was drunk and coked up in that scene and I think he mm. was being honest to Shiv. I, I think. That's how I read it. Like, he seemed a little bit more vulnerable and honest in that moment unless he's really like this evil genius and that was all manipulative but i'm not sure to what end because he's he's only made himself look like a complete dickhead hasn't yeah. he in that in that yeah. sequence so i'm i'm not sure but um yeah it was a really interesting se- scene that scene wasn't it and they had great chemistry those two because it was the first they time did. first time they've been together in an episode in scenes wasn't it so yeah it was really no great. i really liked the two of them together and also well Maybe we should talk about Tom and Greg now as a pair because they don't really get that much to do this episode, do they? No, no. Greg says a few more horrible comments about like, yeah, let's go to Norway, Norwegian wood and all this other stuff of being like, you know, but lads on tour, basically, oh, right? God, Greg, <laughs> just, you know, has sex once. Yeah. And then he is exactly that energy. He is. But he is. I will say, I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but... uh I mean, I don't know if you frequent the same corners of the internet as I do, but Mm -hmm. there's a story that he tells about Madsen in this episode, you know, when he sent out to gather intel. Oh, yeah. And he's like about the whole thing of him putting on noise cancelling headphones on a podcast when he has sex with women. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard the story about Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow, that's interesting. I did so not I'm know like, that. Did they just like take this weird story that's been going around the internet for years about DiCaprio and attribute it to Matson because that is a deep gossip web cut. I love that. Probably because so much <laughs> of this kind of stuff is based on real people and obviously there's a lot of Elon Musk, isn't there, in yes. Matson. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised too if that came from something like that. That's so funny. But yeah, you know, Greg is at his most Greg, isn't he, in this episode? Really Ugh. the awkward moment when he comes over and introduces himself to the table and, you know... The quad. Like, oh, the God, quad the, squad. The quad. The Roy Patrol. Matson's like, there are more of you? What, are you all related? <laughs> you know, it's uh, 
it's it's a cringy moment, yeah. And then and then Tom. I mean, like, what do you think of Tom in this episode? Well, I think you. I think Shiv was being really cruel about his shoes. Yeah. You know, who doesn't like brand new shiny white white trainers? Was was that scene and a and actual like actually them kind of flirting like i think so they, yeah. you know they, they have been so kind of cold with each other and mm. sort of raw with each other and then suddenly this scene he flicks her ear and and she kind of like kicks dirt on his shoes and but they're, they're sort of enjoying it and then of course the next scene they get together is her asking him on a on a date essentially so it's Honestly, like say it's, it's they're I, like two children flirting <laughs> this is like high, this is like playground stuff it's like oh i'm gonna pull at your hair yeah and that means i like you yeah yeah, so I think that, I think that was a positive interaction for those two, right? <laughs> I think that was flirting, and also it comes it comes on the back of the shift's conversation with Batson, mm-hmm. where you know she's talking about how she broke Tom's heart and then he broke her heart, so they're yes. now they're just kind of fucked and it's beyond repair. But I found that scene very entertaining because, in as much as that like scene of them in Italy at the end of season three, this is literally two bottoms trying to prove to each other that they're a top. Yeah. And it's like, sweeties, sweeties, no. It's so true. Oh, bless them. Yeah, in, in a very fucked up succession way, kind of a sweet interaction. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. Um, I do. I was I was generally just so pleased for Shiv throughout this whole episode, to be honest. It's just like good for good her. Good for her. Yeah. yeah, it's a good for her episode. The bar is genuinely under underground. But she reached it. There was no so good for her. There was no humiliation of Shiv. I feel like that's the phrase we've been using every week. Like this week's humiliation of Shiv. And there wasn't one this week, which was just well, such a relief. Well, except when her earlobes were called thick and chewy like barnacle meat. <laughs> which is what? the most cutting insult for someone that you know really well. Yeah, it's a very weird, <laughs> very weird thing to say. I love it. And Tom, the cockroach that is Tom manages Mm. to keep his job again right through all of this you know like i think as last week characters literally speculated you are squarely and fairly fucked he's he's not he's He's managed fucking himself he's managed to scrape through somehow once again hasn't he i just Um, do you know what i think we've all had toms in our professional lives one time or another it is it is an art form i think (laughs) to be able to fail upwards so consistently despite having not a single shred of talent Mm. decency or ability yeah and actually, they do say, don't they? Because they, they, the brothers say to Shiv, do you want us to cut his throat? Do you want us to get rid of him? And she's like, is he is he not doing a good job? And they're like, yeah, he's doing fine. So it's not it, it's not that he's so terrible that he's sticking out, right, as kind of somebody they need to get rid of. But again, he's one of those people that just kind of sails through, doesn't he? Like, he does what he needs to do and somehow just keeps going. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, like you said, we all know people know. like that. I've had, I've... <laughs> I know a couple of Toms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and should we briefly talk about Connor and Willa, who are not invited to the Norwegian, you know, negotiation retreat, but they are having a men- another Menti B <laughs> themselves with Logan's funeral. Poor Connor, because like, I feel like he's the, he's the he's the only one who's like, hello. Our dad just died, like there's funeral arrangements to sort and this and that. And, you know, the siblings have just like moved on from that now at this point. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he gets his one little scene. Um, I don't think Willa has a single line in this, does she? But she's there. Um, yeah, just that she's very supporting her husband. That very brief moment where basically all the siblings kind of roll their eyes at him. Like Kendall calls him a moron. And then that's sort of it, really, isn't it? It's like, yeah, that's uh, yeah. poor, poor Connor. He's out in the cold in this episode. Quite literally. Um, and what about the senior stuff? I mean, again, a, a fun episode for the Jerry's and Franks and Carls of the of the company, right? I, I've been really enjoying those guys in the last couple of episodes. Yeah, I really loved the silent shot, the silent close up of Frank and Carl's compression socks on oh the private God. plane. 
so good. Yeah, the emphasis on their age throughout this episode yes. is really funny, right? I've been really enjoying it. Uh, Hugo as well, you know. Hugo's and... been having some great lines. Like Fisher Stevens so has really been taking up some space this season. And, you yeah. know, I say this with a lot of respect for the man. He's fantastic. So good. They're all just really good at what they do in this, uh, you know. And I love the the moment when the, the guys are in the sauna and Frank and Carl are outside. <laughs> just like, and they're like, poor bastards. They're like peeking ducks. <laughs> and also so like, Jerry... My fave. She has a great little moment where she is unbothered by the young, fit European uh, workers of Gojo. She has this great little speech where he's like, they're soft, hammocked in their social security safety net, sick and vacation mania and free healthcare. They think they're Vikings, but we've been raised by wolves, exposed to a pathogen by the name of Logan Roy. Damn, Jay Smith Cameron. Best line of the episode. I absolutely yes. loved it. I absolutely loved it. She's so good in this. Like that was a real kind of cheer moment. I love And it. I love the <laughs> sense of kind of paranoia between all the senior management where they're like, they just want to not be on the kill list. And that's how this- we start the episode and then we ended on the plane as well, and the kill list is being read out. And mm. Hugo, little fucking snake that he is, he's like, is Carolina on that list? Oh. And of course she's not. And there was that conversation with Shiv, right? Where uh, um, Matson says, mm-hmm. is, is Carolina good? And Shiv's mm-hmm. like, yeah, she's good. She's solid, you know? So, yes. th- but but does that mean that they've, that doesn't mean they've got rid of Ebba, does it? Because also it was, they're kind of the, they're, they're the equivalents of each other, right? And so mm-hmm. it was kind of like, do you keep Ebba or um, Carolina? But obviously Shiv was like, don't fire Ebba. Yeah, not if you've been <laughs> sending her frozen bricks of your own blood, dude. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, I, I was pleased that Jerry and Carolina survived the cull. Although mm-hmm. I'm still a little bit confused by this whole thing that is this a good outcome for Frank and Carl or not? Like, they wanted this sale to happen. Yeah. I kind of thought they wanted to be done with it. I think they want to be done with it. I think they're like, they just want to cash out. And I think they genuinely, if they're going to, the amount of money that they're going to get as shareholders yeah. and senior management, if they get a severance package, yeah, they're like going to be just like, fuck off. Like, I don't want any of this bullshit. I want to go buy a Greek island. That's yeah. all I want to do. Right. So they're, they're, they're not fussed about the fact that they've been culled, right? Like, yeah, no, okay. I, I guess it's for I the people it that are slightly more junior, like Hugo and, yeah, everyone else there, Mark and these other characters that we don't know that well that also got fired, right? Yeah, um, Ray. Ray. Good. Sorry, Ray. <laughs> Sorry, Ray. <laughs> um, also, any... I was yeah, just going to say, go just to take a moment about how beautiful the setting was in this episode right and obviously like these characters who are just you know kendall and roman you know moaning about how small their incredible accommodation is where kendall is in that like amazing glass box in the woods right god i would love to go there oh my god that's like my dream house just like a house made out of glass and wood in the middle of a forest just beautiful what i want everything about this episode was beautiful the when they were going up the cable cars up the cliffs that showdown that they have at the end on the cliff top like every shot in this was incredible i thought wasn't it just beautiful i I mean just a great advert for norwegian tourism really 100 i need to go (laughs) i loved it also i loved the little throwaway shot of roman peeking out from his bathroom window (laughs) at kendall jipping i see you yeah so good i am i am the chaos goblin of the roy family and i see you (laughs) i love it well there you go it's overall of a strong episode right i know you've been sort of up and down on this season so far but this is up there isn't it i think this episode i thought it was fantastic Mm -hmm. and i am genuinely just very excited about what's happening post logan because the dynamics are just shifting and that's exciting that's new and i do at this point i'm like you know what i wrote i want kendall to fail Yes. Like, I really just want him to fail because you know what? You've been fooling me for three seasons and it's enough. I'm done. Yeah. Done with him. I completely agree. He's tight. He's, we've given him enough chances. Enough, Kendall. You're fucked. <laughs> and also, as Matson says, he, Maxon told them they're fucked. What did he mean by that? Is that just because he's going to buy them? Or is has he got other plans up his sleeve? Is he going to do something else to Roman, you know, after that outburst, I wonder? I think after that outburst, not only has he bought them, because he's gone around them, yeah. but I think now he's going to make sure 
to ruin them in some way. Yeah. I don't know what way it's going to be, mm-hmm. but he's going to fuck them over. Yeah. Yeah. And probably completely destroy this business that he's just yeah. bought and destroy the dad's legacy, I expect. But yeah. And also the one thing we didn't mention was the screening of the movie <laughs> that happens. Oh, that was a bit too close to home, Anna, wasn't it? That. <laughs> <laughs> they were like get us a rough With cut just leaving. yeah i was like oh God. yeah it seems like you know they haven't really spoken about this too much but it does seem like they're running some sort of like really financially successful but critically horrific little movie studio yeah 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 i'm thinking i hope we get to see some footage i'm thinking of like a michael bay type of movie that's what i'm thinking of like a transformers sequel type of movie you know that yeah that's the sort of thing i'm thinking thinking of like a shazam level of you know (laughs) stupidity yeah um so there you go so who do you think came out on top in this episode who was mvp matson matson yeah Matson, yeah. Uh, yeah, he got what he wanted, and also now he's got a little grudge that he's gonna have a lot of fun uh, messing around with the bro- with the C bro- CEO bros. I'm also gonna throw I'm also gonna throw in Shiv into that as yes. well. Good for Shiv. And like, if this whole thing with Matson develops, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to watch. Um, what about? There's a few sad, sad losing characters in this episode, but who who's the saddest? Honestly, Roman. It's Roman because I isn't think it? Roman is just fully in his feelings, yep. and he's not having a nice time being there. Yeah, completely agree. This is we've we, you know Roman has been in such a good place, and this is his real mm. low point, isn't it? This episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 completely. Um, any favorite lines? <laughs> oh my god, I have to say, I think Matson's line. I don't care what you think, you're a tribute band, mm-hmm. was the best put down for me. Yep. Yep. Followed very closely by, you know, Shiv saying, I know it might be hard for you, but stop sending people your blood. Oh, it's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, yeah. What about you? I've got those written down too. I mean, I loved Roman's outburst. You know, you unbelievable yes. dog man. We're not selling to you. Yes. We're going to grind you down, sand in the gears, drag it out for months. And in the end, you're going to get bored and move on. It's not happening. I fucking hate you. Uh, it's a great, yeah. it's a great moment. And of course, yes. you've already mentioned it, but it's got to be Jerry, right? Sure, they're young yes. and fit, but they're European. They're soft, hammocked in their social security safety nets, sick on vo- vo- uh, vacation mania and free healthcare they may think they're vikings but we've been raised by wolves exposed by a pathogen that goes by the name of logan roy (laughs) so good so good well there you go that's it for our discussion of season four episode five kill list so while we wait for the next episode to arrive in our inboxes, where can we find more of your work online, Mike? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Movie Mike, and you can find uh, various different horror podcasts—the uh, ones that me and Anna do together. Hello, Sydney, and uh, Dead by Dawn. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find my horror podcast, The Evolution of Horror, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Anna Be Demented. You can also follow my horror podcast cast the only one that i do without mike uh (laughs) called the final girls wherever you get your podcasts and you can pre-order my book unlikable female characters the woman pop culture wants you to hate for more good for her discussions in written form amazing well thank you so much for listening and join us again next week for another episode of the succession easters the succession easters Fuck off.